What's up, everybody? It's Fred Moore here with the Steel Mace Nation coming back at you with another episode. And today, my guest is Hamurabi Fuentes of Primal Six. Uh, you're in California. You're a That's movement correct. coach. You do clubs, mace, kettlebell, as well as acro yoga and slackline. Um, Hamurabi offers online training, and you can find him on Instagram at primal.6. Welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you so much for having me, man. And, and fine to, nice to finally meet you. And you know, I wasn't able to get, it, get you in person the last time I was in New York. Yeah, that was, that was the thing. Yeah. I, you know, I want to yeah. just say this real quick. If anybody's listening and you plan on coming to New York or especially New Jersey, the Jersey Shore area where I'm at, please, people, hit me up ahead of time. Let me know you're coming yeah. and you could come into the podcast studio and we could talk about all this great stuff that we're doing with unconventional yeah. fitness. Uh, yeah, Hammurabi was in New York and somehow we started talking and I was like, oh, can we do a podcast? But we just couldn't make it happen. It was when you're in New York, it's almost like you're another country it, to get to get into Jersey. It's a it's a hassle. So uh, we tried. But um, yeah. That was unfortunate, though, but we're here now, though, so that's good. That's right, and we're going to get all into it. And, um, you know, before I, I ask you about all your training and everything, you know, I, I like your name, Hamurabi Fuentes. So Fuentes is, is Spanish, and it means flowers, right? Uh, close. In watering flowers. Fuentes means fountains. Oh, fountains. that's right. Yes, right. Fountains. Fountains right. means found, uh, 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 flowers. Yeah. Okay. So and fountains then means fountains. Yeah, fountains. And then Hammurabi, is that Persian? So, yes, actually. It, well, it's, um, that has no meaning. It's actual, It's the actual name of a king. So if, have you ever heard of the expression an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth? That's the originator of that log. Um, and Hammurabi was the king of Mesopotamia along the Tigris and the Euphrates. So Iran, Iraq region. Uh, this is at the cradle of civilization, you know. Yeah, and he's the one that wrote like the the code of Hammurabi, which an eye for an eye is one of those those, those laws in there. It was pretty brutal, man. Like everything ended in "shall be put to death." If you did this, you shall be put to death. Like everything was fucking brutal. But yeah, yeah. that's where I get. The, and the, the yeah, that's where the name comes from. Okay, so so you're uh, so you have both. Um, you're you're hey. Persian and Spanish, and I, actually, I, yeah, actually, I'm not. Uh, oh, oh you're not. Okay. No, no, no. A lot of people, anything like might look like it. Uh, so I'm, I was born in Mexico City. I was raised out in the United States. And uh, my father has always been a history buff. And I think when he was in middle, middle school, he saved the book where he first saw that name. So then when I kind of, you know, later on in the future, when I became as a kid, when I, uh, you know, when he had me, then he just named me after that name. All right. All right. He I didn't want to do, he, he, he didn't, he already knew I was going to be an unconventional dude. But I, I, I could imagine, right? But now he, he, he felt for me having a more Hispanic or Latino name would not suit me. I was like, all right, sure. I don't, you know. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's cool. I'm glad I asked because I, I like to get, you know, histories of is, interesting names. That's just something I like. Yeah, um, for sure. But yeah, and then, you know, so you got those uh, juries behind you. Or your yeah, so these are so. Oh my! I can start. I, I don't. We're starting like this. I can show you what I have. So these these Persian me these are Persian meals. These are ones designed by Paul, by Paul Paul, uh, Paul Wokowinski, So Master Paul. Yeah. And I got these done from aged Elmwood. You know. So I got. I made a fourteen kilogram pear. So roughly around twenty eight pounds or so, right? And then we also have a twenty pounder. So like around nine kilogram pear, mm -hmm. and then. The rest of the clubs are in the top pit. These are the top pit 45 or the bruiser clubs. Then we have the Sorensen Gata, you know. And then the boards that you've seen me a lot are the Shino boards where, which these, I have, I made 50 of these. But yeah, this is what you see here. I don't know if I jumped in too much. You you make the uh, Shino boards? Yeah, so check this oh, out. Okay. So check this out. So let, let me give you the one with the better contrast. So... I started using Shino boards when I was living in China and I had, a, I had a gym. Maybe shift. This is like fucking seven years ago. And, um, and 
we, we, we just got some made and I was hosting Sheena board classes and stability classes and, and this kind of unconventional style that you see here. But then my, one of my students who was kind enough to design a board for me, this is her Chinese, she's a furniture designer. That's her emblem. And then this would be the panel six board that you see here. She added clouds, which in Chinese means uh, yuan, and it's for good luck. And she put rubber on them with no um, nails or anything like that. So yeah. they're beautiful, bro. They're really, really beautiful. And you sell those? Yeah, I, I have, honestly, I have uh, six remaining. They're too, they're, they were too much to, they're too much of a hassle to produce because aged elm wood is such a difficult wood to come across. What kind of and wood? Aged elm. It's aged, aged elm. elm. Okay. Yeah. So it's a little on the higher end of the wood. It's got a better density to it, a better quality, but... But, you know, honestly, I think they're, I sell them for, they're 165, but I, I feel they're a little too expensive for what it is. It's only, it's literally a connoisseur product. That's yeah. why I, I only had a limited quantities made, but I, I, I do have six more remaining. <laughs> I, I was actually thinking about making one out of a, a two by four. <laughs> what do you think you about mean. that? Is that okay? Fred, I tell everyone like, like, yeah, these are all nice things to have. But a two by four is all you need. I mean, I used to use two rocks, you know. Oh, okay. So it doesn't it doesn't really matter. I feel like if you want a sheena board, it's maybe because you're you're a fan or you can appreciate the uh, you know like the history behind behind it. But your fucking two by four work just fine, Fred. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I was kind of making a joke, figuring you were going to tell me, no, you can't do that. It's going to. No, no. This is why I'm a fucking horrible salesman, bro. Like, <laughs> I'm not, not going to sell that shit to you like that, you know? Yeah. But um, I do. I, it would, it would, people are asking me if I'm going to bring it back because I made some really beautiful stains. So, like, super, really nice stains. Oh, yeah. Um, I've, I've some, like, oh, you can't see this here, maybe with a picture. This is like a burgundy stain. They're really nice. No. Yeah, but either way, yeah, yeah they are. It's nice uh, when you do use a nice hardwood, though. Um, the quality is there and everything. It, I think, it makes the experience better. Uh, using a two by four, it fine if that's all you can do. But if you can uh, get grab like a real Shanna board, I've yeah. I've used them before. I I know people that have them, and um, and I I like I like that nice hardwood. Um, and you know, you, I saw you doing some great stuff on your Instagram with the shadow board. You weren't just doing pushups. You, you were yeah. doing like a whole bot. I mean, it was crazy. You were even jumping onto it. You were jumping yeah. onto it and landing on the balls of your feet and you have like really good balance. And yeah. I'm sure that jumping on a shadow board is a, uh, higher level skill set. You, you just don't, wouldn't recommend somebody buying a shadow board and then leaping onto it without doing some other balance exercise yeah. to build themselves up. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so that comes from like precision landing, right? It's like, you can jump onto a two by four or anything like that, but I'm huge into balance it, as the, as the brand primal six strength, balance and motion. These have been characteristics that have been with me since I started training um, and that are just continue to evolve. So pretty much all the tools that I use, I, tailor them to how, you know, how they can be beneficial for, for my practice, essentially. Um, and that's how I started. I've been incorporating balance on the Shino board now for several years, you know, yeah. um, in, in classes and also in my own training. It's been nice. Uh, it's fun too, man. It's fun. Right. Yeah. And so now you also do like you, all right, we know what clubs and, and mace are. I know what kettlebells are. Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm not familiar with acro yoga or slackline. Can you uh, tell us Absolutely. a little bit about those two things? Absolutely, and then and then I also would like to dive into the clubs with you after. But like, uh, mm -hmm. so acro yoga, and this is and what I mean by I do acro yoga, it's it's also like a practice too. Like you, the more you do it, the better you get at it. Obviously, like a martial art to to some extent. So acro yoga is partner based acrobatics in a yoga fashion so it's when you see one person laying down the other person carries them and then you're making shapes with it right and then in acro yoga there's there's standing acro where someone is standing and you're like balancing someone or doing similar related to like dance you know like that you're throwing someone up in the air cheer for example cheer would be a, a more dynamic version of acro or standing acro 
Um, and then you have L-basing, which is what I like to do. L-basing is where I, I'm on the bottom as the base and the person on top. And just think about it this way. It's like the ultimate partner workout. We, we both have to work together based on your skills, based on your strength, based on my skills, but my, and then we essentially, we are um, shape-shifting. We're solving puzzles with a human, with another human being. That's all oh, you're wow. doing. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's another- a great way to connect. Great way to connect. And it, there's flow to it. Absolutely. So, yeah. and then and even, even within the Apple community, you have the more like dynamic style Apple, like jumping, popping, uh, things like that, or you have the more flowy, like, I guess the difference between in skateboarding, the difference between regular skateboarding and a longboard, so to speak, right? Okay. Like a skateboard is more dynamic. A longboard is more flowy. Right. Yeah. And then slacklining uh, also came about from my time in China where, uh, so just to, to let people know what a slackline is, it's a, it's, a, it's a material, you know, usually around two inches to one inch, depending. And these are synthetic material that you're able to stretch over two trees or two two poles. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the difference between a slack line and a tightrope is exactly that. A slack line has slack, right? And whereas a tightrope or a wire is just tight, you know? So it's a very, it changes the dynamics of balancing, you know? So that's where, and I feel like, you know, I'm in Long Beach, so there's a lot of this shit here, you know, like, we, you know, it goes usually rock climbing, uh, acro yoga, slacklining, because you can do them anywhere, you know, and it's a good way to interact with people. Yeah. And, yeah. and if that's, you know, since you're big on training balance, that's definitely, and yeah. I could see, okay, so if you're doing slackline, I could see why you're able to jump on your shadow board and land on the balls of your feet and not, <laughs> and not go <laughs> flying over and crashing into yeah. something. Yeah, and oddly enough, I guess if we wanted to nerd out on the details of balancing on a stable surface to as opposed to an unstable surface, mm -hmm. I'd say that if you're anyone out there looking to, to do these things like balance on an unstable versus a stable surface, I'd say that for beginners, you will find it easier to balance in a stable surface in the beginning. Right. And then as you're learning, but, but then you'd be surprised, Fred, what will happen is that, let's say we started slacklining and you would get used to the slack because it'll help you it, 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 once you know how to control yourself. But then when you walk on a, on a slack line with no slack, you won't like it. It'll be, uh, it, it won't be, just doesn't, it doesn't give you the get, the give. Yeah. So it's, it, you're, when you're training on a slack line, you're getting, uh, you're obviously training your central nervous system. And then when you get off of the slack line, you're, you're, it's kind of like your your body has to say, "Wait a minute, the whole dynamic has changed here." But this is this is uh, where you develop these neurons and this um, uh, ability to to move around better because yeah. you're 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 putting yourself through that. Do you, do you notice? Uh, I I would also assume, especially um, once you get really good at walking on a slack line, do you find it like meditation? Because oh, yeah, yeah, it's like active yeah. meditation, right? Yeah, it's kind of silly to like say it, but pretty much like I feel, I feel like every activity that I do for the most part is meditative, but particularly slack line, slacklining is super meditative. Um, yeah, it's meditative, and especially when it comes because we tend to set up the slack lines, and I'm sorry that I'm not talking meters because I, I will, uh, I'm just used to the the metric system. Uh, we set up stack lines that are 60 to like 80 meters long. That's like 80 yards, for example, you know? Oh, wow. So, so when they're that long, they have to be really high. Yeah. So because of the slack, right? So, but, so then when you, when you get up on the line, I mean, they're like six feet, you know, or over six feet. So it becomes like a mental challenge trying to get up on the line. You know what yeah. I mean? So that's sort of like that. That's like the meditation component of it. I feel. Wow, you that's that's yeah, that's amazing. Um, and as far as your uh, your club and mace training, um, wow. you you do uh, so you you have your 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 juries back there, which are a little lighter, but you're using heavy clubs. 
and you're yeah. doing a lot of great work, heavy clubs. And this is something, you know, I, a lot of mace people are using clubs or vice versa. We're, we're kind of doing both. Um, what's your personal opinion on, or can you explain the differences or the difference, I should say, it, between club training and mace training? What's the difference for you? Right, right. Um, oh, that's awesome. That's a fucking great question. I haven't, I haven't had this question in a long time because um, it kind of, it's, it's definitely changed. So the difference right off the bat, I'm just going to, uh, um, I'm just going to like make for something obvious, right? The, the shape of the tool, the shape of the tool changes the dynamics of, of the movement that you're able to do, you know? So I find uh, that the club bell can be a little bit more versatile. Just in, in terms, because you you can hold it with one hand and you're able to do a lot more things. Um, but steel mace flow has showed us that you're also able to do more things with with the with the steel mace. So I'd say for myself, the um, for working out, working out, I'd say that with the clubs, I find I get a little bit more of a of a intensity than with the steel mace. Yeah, you know. And then that's the, and, and, and this and, and but that does not to say that I'm not able to get intensity with with a steel mace workout, you know. But I'm just gonna say for the nature the, the nature of the, the tools, the difference is it's just the physics of the tool, yeah. you know. So the demands are gonna be different. The demands are way different, right? So like a, a 360s compared to a, a one arm meal, it's a different demand, you know. Um, so that's that's as far as like the difference. It's just the the the, cha the, um, the changes in demand based on the tool. You know, that's like the main difference that I that I, that I would see. Yeah, I, that that's a good answer. I, I asked that because you know, as I as I do my steel club and and steel mace training, I. I the more you do it, the more you start to notice these little things like, oh, you know, I noticed this when I'm moving with a club, even my attitude sometimes. And of, and of course, it varies with weight, right? The, the heavier you start, the more you're, you start to really uh, get more mean and aggressive with your training. But there's things about the club that especially when you get up to a heavier weight that you have to be so careful about, so cognizant of uh, because of where you wind up with it and, and, you know, protecting your joints and staying tight and everything. There's, there is a difference. And I, I, I love how they complement each other. Yeah. They're, they're both very dangerous. Like if, if you're new to steel clubs or, or maces, like, please like approach them. With, I mean, I, to this day, approach them with respect because it's, yeah. it's insane. It's uh, in the, I've seen a lot of things go wrong with people, not during my classes, but in terms of like, you know, when someone sees you with a club outside and they want to pick it up. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, you know, don't just try to grab this. Like, be, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, definitely be careful with the heavier clubs for sure. I love I love using the heavier clubs. Yeah, you do them well, man. I, I, I think you're moving like, uh, what, 35, 40-pound clubs? 45. 45, 45. Is, the, 45 yeah. is the biggest I have. You know? Yeah, that's that's a good weight right there. I, I you know, I train regularly with like a 35 or so. Um and I'll every once in a while I'll do forty five, but yeah, I mean you like, you like the heavier clubs as well. I do, I do. Um, I, I I like using lighter clubs just for warm up movements and things like that. Yeah. And then I, and I and I usually do that before I do regular weight training. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, there's just these days where I don't really feel like just doing you know uh, bench press or whatever. So. Mm -hmm. uh, or, or, or a traditional back workout and I'll, I'll go heavy on clubs. I'll go heavy on mm -hmm. base. It's such a great way to kind of oscillate between things and keep it fresh. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm definitely a huge fan of, 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 of using the heavier clubs. I think a lot of clubs too, right? Like all things club. Yeah. Um, now what's your online training like, uh, that you offer and how do right, people so actually connect with you to do that? So let me, I guess like to share just a little bit about me, like, uh, um, and, 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 and then it'll get into the seg, into the segue of the training. So it's, what is it? I got, when, when was the pandemic? Uh, the turn of the pandemic was like two years ago. 
yeah, 2019 going into 2020, it, it came about. So I left China, brother, like 13, uh, like I was there 13 years and I left at the turn of the pandemic, like literally at that phase. Did you leave so, because of the pandemic or it was just your time to go? No, this is what happened. I, I was in Indonesia in November and when I fucking came back into China, like the first cases started to pop up. Okay. And there was no, there was, we didn't know what the fuck was happening. It just started popping up. But I had already had a ticket to come into in, into uh, into the United States. Then when I flew up here, like that following March is when the pandemic hit, right? Was it February or something? Yeah. Yeah, like during the, this time. Like I came back here and then I spent like coming back here now the pandemic hit, you know, obviously everyone's gridlock at home. Um, I had to continue my, my business in China. So a lot of the, the things I was, I, that's how I jumped into online training. Um, your, your, yeah. your business in China was yeah. training? Yeah, yeah. So basically, like my, my entire, the, the fitness brand, Strength, Balance, and Motion, Primal 6, is, uh, is in, in China. And I built this brand over the past, I don't know, I'd say like now five years. But I've been doing this type of movement now for close to nine years. Okay. Now, now you, let's let's kind of like kind of give you a context. This was happening at a time where I'm behind the Chinese firewall. Like there isn't there isn't Google, there isn't uh, YouTube, there isn't Facebook. You know, I don't have access to all the videos and all to the the things that I that. And this is 2000. Fuck, this is like maybe 10, 13 years ago. Like you know, it's a long time ago. Right. And I remember like like first starting off with the kettlebell, which is the first tool that I used. Um, and I, this is where I got the opportunity to meet Steve Cotter during the first times that he flew to China for his workshops. You know, this is a long time ago. Man. And, uh, and we became really good buddies since, you know, so it was kind of nice to meet Steve Cotter, meet a few people that, I, that were, that, that, because at this time China was opening up for fitness education, you know, yeah. either way, like, so I learned the kettlebell and from there, um, I learned the steel mace and it was interesting because we didn't know, I didn't know where to buy this one. I had to contact a factory, you know, actually a lot of factories with a lot of the people that buy steel maces that come from that factory. They have little hubs in, in, in Asia where they make every product. Right. And the, the sales lady asked me like, what is this equipment? A lot of people are buying it, but we don't know what it is. We just make them. And, and this is, you know, in, uh, no one in China knew what the hell that is. Like no one, no, no one knew. They thought it was a hammer, you know. And just, <laughs> right. It's a fucking hammer. They, and they, and they, she was saying that they were just making these things and shipping them out, and they're like, we don't know what they they're no doing. Idea. They're they just no idea. crazy yeah. Americans buying or giant hammers. Were, yeah, just buying hammers because they didn't know what, what it was for, you know. And so I was explaining to them. And then that's how – I mean, one of the things that I would make videos for the lady and everything and whatnot. But I, start, I learned from the – steel mace and i remember the one that i got i got a eight kilogram steel mace which is what like 15 pounder or so yeah. you know and that was punishing it was rough to learn with that 15 yeah pounder. everybody you always know? starts off with the with the heavier one right i thought i mean i had zero clue about this shit yeah. i was like oh, let me just bring it and figure it out and you can imagine like because i used to bring out my tools everywhere i went and and i would carry it everywhere right and people would be like what is this what is this and then from there, I then picked up the club. Uh, and then it's also, and this is like a little bit over seven years ago. So when I started using clubs, you know, that's how it kind of happened into the, to the transition into all of this. Um, and then for me, how it started is I started uh, training outside and then people would come and contact me and say, hey, can we train with you? And then that's sort of how the grassroots movement started for the, for the group that I created. Um, and then eventually I moved into a space then I ended up opening up a gym out there. Uh, the, we had a sandbox in this gym, like a fucking actual sandbox. Like a giant was, sandbox that you could a like- A fucking giant sandbox. You can train it. You can train in it. We had, yeah. like, it, was, it was the first unconventional training gym. Like I, it's worth, I have my wall. It's like a brick wall with like the maces on the wall. It's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. I'll send you a shot. You can see. Um, and, you know, and this was 
at a very young time, like the idea was far ahead of its time, you know? And it's far ahead. Of, and I say that because the people, this is where the CrossFit boom in China was popping, boom, like it was popping. So everything was CrossFit, 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 right? right. And then, so no one really knew, like, how does these things help and what's the purpose of this, right? right. Um, so, and then, you know, eventually the, the gym, we were open almost two years. And then we had to close it down, but um, but it was a great experience though. That's that's sort of like just to show you about my background. So coming in China after the pandemic, I um, I decided to go online because I I have a lot of clientele in Asia, right? So I, I started my social media channels, which are a lot more popular out in China than here. I'm I'm more known as far just to be frank as a pioneer in these tools out in China. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like I, it, that's what it sounds like to me. It's honestly, if if you told me that someone's using a steel mace or a club, I probably know their teacher. I probably they probably came from, and I say that to you because I'm fascinated by how many people there are in China. But I'll have people telling me like, "Oh, I saw you know, it's like Chinese social media, right? It reaches millions, millions of people." Yeah. So that's kind of cool, I think. You know, in high yeah, that's. Like, that, that's the one of the coolest things right now about the steel mace and the clubs and everything. And, and that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why I started this, this podcast. It's going on three years now. I said, boy, this is, there's going to be a lot of first timers. There's going to be a lot of innovation going on. There's going to yeah. be a lot of people out there and, you know, and, and for this little humble podcast, I just wanted to get those yeah. people on and get them out there in the world somehow, you know, before this whole thing really takes off and everybody just kind of gets lost. But I mean, there's people, you know, it's good. You you know, it's going to get, keep growing. It's, it's not going to go away. And there's people in, there's a guy in South, um, South Africa who, you know, he's basically saying he's the first guy in South Africa. Um, yeah. You know, with the steel mace. So there's a lot of that, and this is this is important because uh, everybody has these different fitness backgrounds. Um, yeah. Now, as far as as operating in China is concerned, or do you speak ch- uh, flu- fluent Chinese? <laughs> Not fluent anymore, uh, but I do speak Chinese and not the Chinese. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You- I was there. I was there. Fuck, man. Thirteen years, bro. Like I, I in hindsight, I'm a little bit upset that I didn't learn the language more. Um, but, but you can. It's one of those things you can't really ever speak fluent Chinese. Like you get pretty good at it, you know, but fluent yeah, yeah, right. something different. Yeah, yeah but, but yeah. I speak Chinese, yeah. But how did you actually wind up there to begin with? Was this all your intention was to go? No, no, no. No, so I, so this is, so now we have to go way back. So I'm 40 years old. Uh, last year, I just turned 40. Um, and when I was 27 or so, was it 27, 26 or 27, I ended up going out to China for a master's degree. Okay. I went out for a master's education and the program was a two-year program, I believe, two or three-year program, um, where the coursework and the research study was taking place in, uh, in China and in Asia at the time. And I just stayed. Shout okay. out to all these folks. Yeah, um, I just stayed out there. It was one of those things, um, and I, I, I really got bit by the travel bug and, like, enjoyed being out and, you know, and I never came back. That's the thing, like, and then, and so, uh, Fred, like, just to point it out, like, the reverse culture shock being in China and coming back, that shit's fucking real, man. Like what? Like, I, like, I didn't think I was going to be that affected by shit. Like, uh, coming back, I came back into a more sensitive society. I didn't realize that shit. Like, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, I, like now, like, I, sorry, I know this is not a political podcast or anything right. like that, but personally, I'm like, what fucking happened? <laughs> Dude, it happened quick. It happened quick. Yeah. It, like, you know, so what year did you go out there? What was the first year? Shit, out? This is 2000. Uh, I left the country 2003. 2003. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I've been traveling for several years before then. You guys understand. But you were you were in the okay. But you were in the country for when nine eleven happened, two thousand one. Yes. Yes. So yeah, that we were like hard people when that right. happened, and then something just like the, the, <laughs> the know, balloon I, I think, popped. 
I can, I can leave it like this, maybe with this quote, uh, but maybe just to kind of, maybe you agree with me or not, but uh, it's uh, tough, what is it? Tough, tough times make tough men, tough men make good times, times. good times make, good, good, good times make weak men, weak men make tough times. Right. I feel right at the fucking ladder of that shit. Yes. <laughs> Yep. That's what it feels like. I'm like, well, what is happening? That's a, a, a Roosevelt quote. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's true. I mean, it makes sense. Um, yeah, when when you got it really good, you don't you don't know what bad is. So, what's going to keep you in line? You know, you gotta you gotta be balanced. You gotta know where you come from. I, I you know, we could go off on a tangent about all this, but uh, different cultures, man. You know, um, yeah. and and China is. Uh, I guess they're tougher people because they're um, they ground out through decades of tough times. Yeah, yeah. Their right? dynamics, the, the, the dynamics over there is a lot different. They're definitely uh, going to experience a lot of success from the hard work that they did for like the past fifty years. Yeah, you know, like they're reaping that benefit. That's what they're fucking buying off everything. You know, but either way, right. you know, <laughs> going back to these clubs, brother, friend, we can talk about any yeah. of that shit out there. Yeah, so um, now, so you come back. You, now mm -hmm. you're back in your and you're in California. And um, do you have a gym, or do you is no? Do you treat so, people at your location that you're at right there? That's a great question. So I'm in the city of Long Beach, right? So when I so I started doing mostly online training, and this is because of the pandemic, right? Um, I have had clients here, like in the Long Beach area. But not many. I have to say, mostly it's been online, which I miss, man. I miss, I Train miss the the, the 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 like you know face to face. There's nothing that beats that. Yeah, and I, I agree. But now I feel more hopeful now that the uh, the the mask fucking bullshit situation is kind of like like uh, easing off, you know. So. I feel like, and then also like the the temperature is kind of changing people. I mean, it's LA anyway, Long Beach, so it's always nice. But I, I feel like there's definitely not. Uh, uh, potential for it and the more people gain awareness like I had a guy yesterday come to my house or just meet me to pick up a board that he, he saw online and he just came to purchase it and you know that was nice yeah so it's out there you know but mostly I do it mostly for my living room which is and, and I have the lights set up and everything yeah I like that I've, I've gone to people's houses and yeah. over the past two years and trained like in their living room. And, you know, I, you could, I could tell just by what's behind you, you got it set up. So it does, it's not, it doesn't feel like you're coming into somebody's house proper and like, you have the coffee tables yeah. there and the, the kids toys are on the floor. But, <laughs> you know, you, yeah. I like, I like that experience. It's just, yeah. you know, I loved going to gyms, but um, my whole life has been gyms. And then all of a sudden I'm going to somebody's house and training in their living room and we're swinging a mace and you know oh watch out for the lamp you know <laughs> and it's just fun so you um basically your your bulk of your training is online so yeah. if, if somebody wants to train with you online uh i guess they would contact you yeah. on your instagram right give you a DM. On my Instagram, and right now I'm finalizing my page. So then, like, um, I'm also going to start releasing courses, so pre-recorded content and courses. Okay. You know, so basically, so I get a lot of, and I guess maybe you can segue into this. Um, so I, I feel like I have a, a style of using the clubs. You know, yes, like, right. That I created, and then in this style, like I, I break down my process for using how I use the clubs. So I'm gonna be uh, having those videos very soon, you guys. I'm I'm, I'm okay. finalizing the uh, the end of uh, the uh, the website and stuff like yeah, which I'm fucking. All right, that's that's great. Yeah, everybody listening, you know, follow Hamurabi at primal primal on Instagram. Yeah. It's and and you know, and stay on top so that you can. So this is a a big thing for anybody that is an expert or somebody that's been training with clubs and mace for a while now you probably already know this so for the benefit of people that are maybe new and they're just starting to explore this and maybe this is their first steel mace podcast or whatever um it you're always learning the mace there's it, there's never an end to it you're always a student just some people are going to be better at it than you and 
if you go to three different coaches, they're going to show you three different ways to show you something simple like a 360 swing. And you may benefit better from one coach's instructions than the other. It's just how they explain it, um, how they, how they uh, connect with you. That's the whole thing about that type of coaching. But imagine if you go to three different coaches over the course of a year, how great your swing is really going to get because you're getting these instructions. So, so it's good. It's, it's fun to explore and, you know, obviously, if you're going to find a coach that you really like, stick with them. You know, like if, if you if you train with Hammurabi and you like them, but don't be afraid to explore either. Right. Uh, so ha- as far as your technique, uh, yeah. again, I was watching you on Instagram and, yeah, you do have a cool technique. Um, where do you where would you say that really refined itself and it became okay. your, Ooh, your style? That's a great question. I, I guess uh, I'll answer that. I'll answer it to you too as well. At the same time, explaining the primal six name. Okay. Good. So let me give you a reference. Okay. So this here is a portrait that I did. And what do you see here? What, what kind of hand is this? What kind of hand is it? Yeah, it's a hand. It's a chimpanzee hand. It's a primate hand. Oh yeah. Okay. And the reason why I have this, it, it's so it's so dear to me in terms of how I'm going to make the connection. Can you do me a favor? Can you grab your hand and can you hold it in the same fashion? Right? What would, what would you see difference in your both hands? What's the difference between a primate's hand and our hand? Longer thumb. That's it, right? So what this, what this kind of means for me, like it's for those of you out there, when people ask me like, oh, are clubs new? Clubs have evolved alongside humans. And the only reason why we can, we succeeded as, 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 as like, you know, the early uh, hominins that we were, that we came to be uh, now this homo sapien is because we have the ability to do two things. Number one, to throw accurately. Yeah. Number two, to use a fucking club. So it's in your genes, you guys. Like it's like your, it's in your genetic fucking layout to want to swing something, right? Um, so the term primal six comes from the essence of what it means to be human, right? Your primal sense, right? Meaning like, uh, and for me, particularly when it comes to physical movement expression, right? That's it. The number six then comes from uh, in engineering, uh, the, the six, uh, to be able to move in six different ways, right? You weave, you haul, you, this is for functionality. It's our interaction in three-dimensional space. That's the second connection to the number six. And then the, the, the third connection to the, to the number six is your sixth sense. It's like, I feel when I'm working out, whether it be balancing, whether it be using a club, I feel that my like I have to connect with my intuition a lot, especially as I'm moving and you create yes. this slow state. It's not just my body. It's not just my body. My body is, I mean, my body's actually doing the motions, but it's a lot more of the connection that I like to take myself into when I, when I, when I connect. And that's the sixth sense. So like tapping into your sixth sense, making the form primal six. Now, when I apply into the use of clubs, I, in, in China, like, um, they, they, they have a really good culture in terms of like, like the older folks, like the older generation, like they would go and hang out at the parks and they would do Tai Chi. They would do a lot of movements. Right. And, um, I picked up a notion back there this expression make the light feel heavy and the heavy feel light you know they have something similar like this in chinese um and it's but it's it's the translation is like the the empty the cup of an empty heart is weightless but it's hard to translate but essentially it means that when whenever i use the clubs i try to have the club just be an extension of my body yeah right so it's it's i just an extension of my hand now, how when I grow up, when I grab a club, I can already feel like what kind of physics is going to change based on the design. So for me, uh, when it comes to to my technique, is I, I like to keep that in mind. I practice with very light clubs, and I use them as if they were heavy. Or I can, and I have some videos of I can sh- showcase this for you. Or I'll practice with a very heavy club. 
but I'm trying to work on the technique and like like centimeters of just so I can make it look light. Yeah. You know? So and and that's the intricacies that come from from. I mean, aside from everything, aside from let's say you have a mobility in place, right? A lot of it, some of it has to do with your fingers and the way that you interact with the club. A lot of people in the community maybe don't emphasize that, but a lot of it has to do with the connection. So for me, I approach it having your base, your breath, and your connection. That's it, base, breath, connection. And then that's the way you, from there, we take that and I create the structure, how to stand, right? That's your base, right? Uh, then your breath. Now, based, how do you sync up your breath based on your movement? How are we going to do that? And then your connection to your hand, you know, like understand what's happening. Like, and I, and I always kind of have this idea that no swing is ever the same for me. Any though looks the same, but it's not. Like, I'm always like, fuck, I fucked up here. Okay, I could have done that. It's just adjustments, you know? So that's how I feel. Like, in terms of my training, like, I approach my technique like that. So sometimes maybe it can be a little bit... For someone that wants to learn fast, meaning like maybe uh, may, I, would, I would say be a little bit more patient and upfront and you, you'll reap the benefits later, you know, because I really do do a lot of uh, mundane things for for uh, connection of the club. That's a really cool concept that, you know, uh, I know you also do a lot of stuff, footwork too, connection with the, with the earth, barefoot yeah. training, everything like that. So, I mean, those are all vital parts whatever you're connected to and i mean i'm just even thinking about regular barbell training how important it is to have that connection with your hands and there's different types of grips and you know they're all for strength and everything like that um can you go a little bit into detail about that grip like what what would you say to somebody who's maybe starting off with clubs or a mace and what they need to be cognizant of as far let's, as I guess first like let's get people excited and fucking create the uh, create like that they know that they're doing something great so um Harvard the Harvard uh there was a Harvard case study on grip and health and longevity based on your grip yeah. right so and it's something it's funny I remember going to the doctor's office with my grandmother when I was a little kid and the doctor would always have ask her to squeeze the hand like mm -hmm. squeeze the hand like it was just one of a sign of her she's aware she's not aware or you know how you know how difficult it was and my grandmother lived to be uh, 98 years old she was a fucking strong lady you know yeah. but she always had a fucking strong ass grip and and uh, going back into to making a connection into it is like it's uh, there's definitely studies out there that show that improvement in grip improve your health and longevity now a club you know obviously does this really really uh fucking perfectly because you're you, there's a difference between holding it in your grip now i guess i can answer this question for people they always think that i'm balancing the club and i say guys it's not balance this is balance right this is stability control it means that my fucking hand my grip is always going to be engaged right so I'm always going to be activating it. So no matter what, I'm always going to be having having this going on when I, as I'm swinging. Um, so, so the nature of the tool allows you to develop that grip. And then not only that, but then to now think about it every time you're using, like when people ask me, what's the difference let's say, between like training with a barbell or what have you? I feel, I feel like there's a symphony going on when you're, when you're integrating your body rather than isolating it so it's like your whole body's working together right yeah so that's sort of kind of like i don't know if i touched upon what you what you said about the grip but yeah i people highly encourage you to pick up anything and you need a fucking cast iron skillet pick up a cast iron skillet I, I, 14 whatever whatever 10 pounds that shit is heavy yeah whatever. yeah you know yeah and and experiment with with your fingers, right? Experiment mm -hmm. with squeezing, yeah. you know, squeezing with, with the, with this, with these fingers. Yeah. So, so, so Frey, here you go. Yeah. So Frey, here you go. This is the, the ring finger. Ring is finger. Your first lever. A lot of people don't know that. So what do I mean by first lever? Right. This is the first lever. That ring finger, by pushing down on it, you create that lever with your wrist. Right. Yeah. And then That's your pinky, 
your pinky is on the pommel, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's for yeah. the Persian wheels. Yeah, for the Persian yeah. wheels. Well, I don't so, know if you're familiar. Have you ever used the Adex adjustable? Yes, I have. Yes, with, I have. With the pommel. And I always find myself grabbing, even sometimes with my ring finger yeah. over the yeah. pommel, depending on what I'm doing. But yeah. I, I think one thing people need to know when they first start using a club is you don't want to death grip on it because no. especially when you're traveling in circles it's gonna that's gonna affect um how how it sits in your hands can really affect the whole trajectory right well yeah absolutely and also think about it like this uh and, and aside from um having an intelligent grip as scott sonnen likes to call it um uh if you lock your hands like if you grip you're gonna lock your wrist right so you can't have that. You have to. So that's why you have like a saber grip. You have a hammer grip. You have different grips, right? So right. it's only I'm, I'm I was referring more when you bring it on the front, like order position, right? Having that grip ready to go. But the grip changes depending on where the club is. If it's behind you, in front of you. So there's a lot of the element to that, you know. Yeah. So I I guess like you know the best way to instruct somebody would just be like, hey just swing it enough to develop that that intelligent grip yeah you're, you're gonna instinctually change that grip depending on where it is right yes for yeah. the most part for the most right. part i'd say maybe like the maybe maybe it'll, it'll take like three five reps for you to realize oh i think i'm holding this too too strong you know yeah right so it's so always good to tell you yeah it's always good to start light for that always reason. start light you guys always start light no matter what these things are these things are, are uh, definitely fun to use, but they can also be punishing. And I, I only in whatever now, seven years, eight years that I've used this, I've only had one injury. Like, knock on wood on that one. <laughs> From a club. From a you club, know? yeah. I, uh, I've i never really hurt myself with a mace. I hit myself in the shin with the handle yeah. doing, you know, a, a juggling move. Um, yeah. But that's why I was I was doing something kind of silly in a way. But the, the the only time I ever hit myself in the head was with a club, and yeah. and I didn't like that. It was not nice. <laughs> right? No, I I, I I have one student right now that's injured because he uh, and it's one of those things like if you're not careful, right? Like if you if you just kind of like distract yourself a little bit, like you're you can you can really mess yourself up, man. Oh yeah, right. So that there's the the. The great thing about it, the focus, uh, yeah. and, you know, it teaches you how to focus on stuff, which you need for other things in your life. Now, yeah. now, now, talking about injuries, one of my favorite things to bring up in discussions on this podcast, because I still encounter it after three years of doing this and showing it to people, is people get very concerned about their shoulders, and they think if they're holding a 10-pound mace and they're going to swing it behind their that their shoulder is just going to go flying apart and shoot off into the universe and never, and the whole thing's going to blow up. And I'm like, no, it's it, all you're doing is, is basically throwing something. So yeah. um, I'm sure you get the same thing, right? You get yeah, people that absolutely. are looking concerned. Well, first of all, let's, let's start off with the disclaimer, consult your physician in order for you. Common sense goes a long way. Okay. So that's yeah. what I like to say with people. Um, second of all, um, when it comes to safety, I feel like that we can save a lot of time if, if obviously we can check the ego, right? It's always the ego, like, but yeah. we're doing this shit, like, let me just figure it out. But um, I find that testing your ranges of motion is very critical, your overhead position, your like uh, testing to see where you're at before you're even gonna bring this behind. What that, what's, what's that range of motion gonna look for you, look like for you, right? And then working on those things, um, but if you do decide to go for it, like make sure that you at least know what these positions will look like, you know, before doing it, because that just as a standard move, the 360 on the steel mace can be very dangerous if not used properly, you know, like if not done properly, right? But if, if once they're done properly, low weight, if anything, you, you, this is how you build those iron shoulders by swinging, you know, I mean, literally we're designed to swing. Yeah. Off the shit and swinging shit, you know. So it's always having having that uh, having those shoulders nice and healthy, particularly men. And, and this is for men over the age. I mean, I'd say thirty-five and over. I'd say because I'm now now as I'm approaching into my forties now. 
I'm learning learning about this kind of stage and how important our posture is. Yeah. You know, and like you, you wouldn't, you know, okay, so the, my metabolism is not as great as before, right? And so it's one of those things. So um, healthy shoulders and a healthy core, you guys, a healthy grip is what it's all about, you know? Yeah. And it's looking, you know, literally like, so um, swinging maces, and uh, will definitely improve posture, shoulder health, right? If done properly. But I also know, like, if you overdo it too, like, it can also, there's a diminishing returns, right? So it depends on people too. Because I know people go into these thousand swings, which is great. It's great to do it, but it depends on your purpose. But yes, it's, the idea would be to stay healthy using the tools. Yeah. And have you had uh, clients report back to you? That yes. shoulders feel better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How about this? I have a client right now in New York. Uh, that it's a case. She's a seventy-six-year-old lady, seventy-four, and she's. I've been having her on the uh, Indian clubs. Okay. She loves them. Like she definitely. Not only does it kind of fire up her brain as well, right, with the different patterns, but she tells me that. Um, she doesn't have, I mean, I guess she's reaching over the covers, over the kitchen to, to pull something up that she no longer has, or she feels she has either a lower back pain and shoulder impingements to kind of keep her away. So she, she notices that. I was like, oh, that's, thank you for letting me know about that, right? You know, so um, I have students also letting me know about how their mobility, like, and how, how, one of my students, he's he got kids. So he's like, yeah, they plays with their kids, but they, you know, their kids are not always in the proper angle when you have to pick them up. So right. he said he did this move that he reached out for the kid and he felt that he wouldn't have that strength if it wasn't for the club use that we use. Because this is really, um, for those of you that are not watching, I'm extending my hand back, you know, to, yeah. to show the action of how uncomfortable it is. But he, he feels that, the, the ranges of motion and the strength at every angle has definitely improved. Now, on that note, let me ask you this question because uh, I tell this stuff to the guys at the fire department all the time, and I recommend steel mason clubs for first responders just for exactly what you're talking about, getting your arm into these other positions that, you know, everything in the regular gym world – just saying regular gym world for lack of better description, but it's all so front focused and on one plane or dimension. But when you're working or you're playing with your kids or you're carrying groceries or you're getting chased by a dog or whatever, you're going to go outside of these boundaries. And do you think besides just the strengthening effect and the, and the resiliency that it builds, do you think that the, because it develops a proprioception, so yeah. when your arm goes back there, your brain already says, hey, man, I'm, I'm comfortable with that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, and I feel like the, a lot of the groundwork stuff that can be done, like the fancier stuff with, with, with the clubs, like in addition to, you mentioned fire, firefighters, right, firemen, but yeah. also for grappling sports. Like this yes. is like, it was fucking designed for this shit, right? right. Like that grip, shoulder health, ranges of motion, right? And it's like, and I, the proprioception for sure is definitely de definitely happening because you, you're doing it so much, right, that your body now becomes comfortable in, in that angle without even thinking about it. Right. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. I, I think it's great. Do you use this a lot for, with your team, with your fire, with, with the fire? Yeah, fire? I, I, um, the, I, a couple of guys at work uh, have been using mace and stuff like that. I get, um, you know, I try, I try to... Uh, get clients from wherever uh, I've had a lot of online guys uh, firefighter from Detroit uh, firefighter from Chicago hit me up they trained with me for a little bit uh, it was really during the height of COVID I think after everything got uh, lightened up and people started going back out they they stopped calling me but they were yeah they were enjoying it they they wanted to try something new um, they were moving they were moving mace uh, and clubs mostly mm -hmm. mace work but they were like yeah they, they all they all signed up with the with the same issues their their shoulders always hurt were sore their back mm -hmm. was hurt you know firemen have to wear those heavy 
tanks. Yeah. So they're always hunched for a lot, of, a lot of stiffness and tightness. And these are guys that are never going to really lay on a floor and, and stretch for more than three minutes, you know? Right. That's, un that's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. But you give them a mace and they start swinging it and it helps, you know? So, yeah. so it, I haven't had anybody come back to me and say that it's made their shoulders worse. Yeah. Or they hate it or anything like that. Everybody likes it and they, they say they're going to keep using it. You know, Fred, one thing is up with this, like, that I, and like, as you may know, like in the fitness industry too, because like I said, I missed a lot of my time here. Um, like, we're all about, we're so tribal as people, right? Like, yeah. like, before it was fucking team CrossFit, now team this, team that, and team, even, even within the, even within our own community, uh, steel maze or traditional steel maze. It's like, what the fuck, man? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, dude, come on. Like, can we all just kind of just do our shit? Like, right. you know? Yeah. And, but going to, to the reason why I bring this up is because um, there is not a lot of data on like concrete data, like on a five by five program on like, or, or building strength, like on a lower body leg hypertrophy program. You do this set and set per day, and this is what your result. But we don't have this data of like, how long would it take me to do a 45 meal swing, right? Like how long from a beginner to that? There's no clear pathway, yeah. you know? And, and I think one of, the, one of the things that's difficult about, about it is when my students ask me is, how do you approach your training? Like, are you, are you on the much more feeling side or the programming side? I tend to do more on the feeling side, like maybe, ah, fuck, I don't want to come across wrong. For myself, like 60% feeling, 40% programming. And the reason why is because it, I don't feel the same all the time, you know, when I'm swinging and what have you. But in terms of getting someone to be like, okay, let me program for them, skills practice, skills practice. And then, you know, at least I, my goal is to get them started on the low weight so they can do that safely, so they can build up their weight to get into a higher, you know, but there's no clear road. This is what I'm talking about. There's like no there's, clear road. There's no clear, we don't have data on it. Like, I mean, I mean, I know weightlifting doc, my boy out in Arizona, you know, Tony, he, he's like the one that tries to, or he does a really good job too at measuring the physics. Yeah. Of like the, of the, and that's awesome, right? Yeah. But there's still no, like, it's not like kettlebell sport, right? Where we can kind of guess per minute, you know? So for example, I'm a very light dude. I'm 150 pounds. Um, I can meal the 35-pound club bell from yeah. CrossFit. Now, that's about 33% of my weight, roughly. So so for when people ask me, like, I'm curious to know how much, what's the heaviest meal that I can do? I can't do the 45-pounder from TACFIT, but I can do the 45-pounder from Onnit. And the reason why, the, the Onnit or the steel clubs, the reason why is because they're shaped smaller. Yeah, you know, so it fucking like that's what I told when I told you we, we were talking about what is the difference between the clubs and the and the steel mace is the shape of it. It's gonna it's gonna change what how I'm gonna swing it. It's just yeah. a change. Yeah, but that's sorry, just to go off on a tangent on that. No, that's that's a good tangent to go off on. That's important to know. I, I, regular traditional weightlifting is pretty much standardized. A forty-five pound plate. Yeah. Uh, on both ends of a 45 pound bar is going to give you 135 pounds. The bar is uh, an inch and an eighth or whatever. Um, and there's a neural grip and you put your hands here and, and this is what you do. You pretty much can get the same feel from gym to gym to gym. But if you go from an unconventional training gym to a, another one and right. they have a different set of clubs, a different set of maces, longer handles, whatever, different materials – it's always different. And this is what's so fun about it because if you if you did want to train up to say a 45 pound club and maybe this one particular brand is yeah. very difficult for you, but you find another brand where it's a little easier for what for because of the ergonomics or whatever, then you train on that one and then you'll be able to go back to the other one at some point. It's just yeah. a clever way to to vary your training so good answer i mean like you know this is what i think um is important to come across uh in this type of when you're hiring a coach how their approach to it is obviously everybody's 
unique in your, right. your coach. You're going to assess the person firsthand, mm-hmm. see what they're capable of, see what their mindset is. But then, you know, every time they come to train for you, you're going to have to feel it out. And this, this is, you know, something that takes time to understand about yourself. So it sounds like you've got that squared away. And that's, Dude, I, that's really I, cool. I approach it definitely as a practice for myself and for, I would say the majority of my students also approach it as a practice yeah. rather than an exercise. And it, and it goes in, I mean, I've heard of these like nice taglines, right? Like exercise is optional. Movement is essential. That's yeah. what I'm leaning towards now, man. Especially now, like, I mean, not, not, I don't want to say that I'm, I'm old. I feel fucking young, but yeah. I hear so many people around this age, thirties and forties and fifties that that's it. Like they're, they're, they're done. It's like, man, I was like, wow. Cause I, so Fred about me, like I used to be 210 pounds, man. I was quite, Oh, no shit. Yeah, brother. I'm fucking, I lost like 70 pounds. A lot of people don't realize that shit. Oh man. For for the, for the greater part of my adult life, I was a very, 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 uh, uh, you know, uh, heavy. uh, Yeah. I mean, and it's funny too, because I have really small wrists and it's not like this. I just look really funny. Like, like, but I think what happened for me um, in terms of my journey and that it's still going, it's been like, I can just get now like um, feeling free in my body, like feeling the, the, you know, like the fact that if I fucking have to trap first down the second story house, I will do it. I'll be fine. Like, I don't right. have to, you know, that's kind of like where I kind of get like you train for life. Right. Like, I mean, you, yeah, losing weight is nice looking good is fucking great but i feel like how you interacting your in your environment is more important yeah yeah definitely i mean even bodybuilders you know they're so focused on hypertrophy and and that's great and i like doing that too but there's you know at some stage in your life you're going to get to a point where maybe you're not really going to be able to do that anymore, or you're just, something changes. So what's going to keep you in the pocket? What's going to keep you moving into your old age? You know, a lot, a lot of bodybuilders, they get, um, you know, they damage their elbows, their shoulders and everything from heavy lifting. Uh, at some point you got to look at other angles to, to take care of yourself and, and, uh, you never, want to stop moving that's the right. goal right you never want to and, wind up where you're stuck in a chair right and i mean come on like this is the whole movement is life right but like to get your if we have like new people listening here like that are not familiar with the equipment or with steel mace nation um i'd say this it, this unconventional equipment can get you excited to start training again right yeah because it's something and it's fun to to be swinging shit around is fun i mean like let's just be honest right like it's yeah it's like you give it to i mean you give you give a stick to a toddler they'll start like immediately wanting to badge something like it's just you know it's it's a good it's a good way i'd say if you're thinking of of uh picking up the tools or working out and you know you know for that matter like if you're starting your 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 fitness journey like i'd say finding someone or, or diving into with kettlebells, like don't be shy about that or maces or clubs, like find someone locally like there's, or seek someone online. Like they're there to learn some basic technique and then you take it from there. Yeah. You know, that's it. It's very, it's very important. Man. That's but, excellent advice. Hamurabi, yeah, uh, you know, th- this was a great, discussion i i mean we could an hour's up already we could keep has it been going with this so i'm gonna have to invite you back uh to discuss things again in fact uh you know you mentioned you lost all that weight i would love to have you come back on and hear about how you did that because a lot of people are challenged with uh diet and everything like that and that's fun stuff to get into as well so uh Anytime. You fucking think I'm interesting enough? I'll I'll come hang out anytime. <laughs> yeah. What do you? And whenever whenever you come back to New York, please yeah. hit, hit me up ahead of time. I'll work out with you and everything. And that goes to the rest of you out there listening. You know, I'm I'm available. Uh, I'm looking for people to train with and and podcast with. So you're you you coming on and sharing all this stuff is is just terrific because um, as this modality grows people are going to be looking for this information i mean this is the good technical stuff good meat and potatoes that we like to hear so anytime my man thank you for coming on i appreciate it 
Have fun and swing safe, you guys. Swing, swing shit. safe. Tap yes. into your primal sense, you guys. Tap into that shit. Everybody, Hammurabi Fuentes, and you can find him on Instagram at primal.6. Hit him up. That's check him out. Thank you, sir. See you later. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, everybody, for listening. See you at the next one.